Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. On the 18th day of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year. How many of you know those words? Yeah, I would assume most of you would. And so begins the, the beloved 1860 poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Paul Revere's Ride. We all know the story, right? This heroic story of Paul Revere, two, one if by land, two if by sea, his midnight ride to wake up the colonists, to rouse them and ready them so they could face the dreaded redcoats. Well, our hero this morning is much like Paul Revere, but he's much greater than Paul Revere. He's our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is coming with a warning with, of much greater consequence. And he is coming with much greater urgency. We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ himself rousing his sleeping church. We're going to see him rousing his sleeping church in a complacent city, calling them to wake up, to renew their vigilance, and rediscover their vitality. And even greater concern is that this church thought they were alive. They thought they were awake. But that's not the prescription that Jesus gives them. We're talking about the church in Sardis. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. And while you're turning there, let's talk a little bit about this church, the city of Sardis. Well, it's the next step on the road uh, for the mailman. And when the seven churches uh, were, the letters from the seven churches were sent out, it's about 30 miles southeast of Thyatira. And when John wrote this letter, Sardis was a wealthy, prosperous, busy center of trade, and there was much traffic going in and out of the city. It was, it was a great city, but it was nothing compared to its past glory. You see, 700 years ago, it was the capital of the, the uh, kingdom of Lydia, and Lydia was a, a major player on the world scene. It was known as the Queen of Asia. It was one of the greatest cities in all of the world. But it didn't stay that great for long. You see, it is surrounded by cliffs. Sardis is surrounded by cliffs. And it gave the people a, a false sense of, of protection, a false sense of security. They thought it was impregnable. Um, they, they thought they were lulled to sleep by this false sense of uh, security, not once, but twice. First, the Persians found a way up the cliffs and walked into the city and took over. And then about 400 years later, the Greeks um, had a false sense of security. They walked in, and they, um, they took over the city as well. The, fo the folks of, of Sardis, they failed to watch their city. And on top of that, about 70 years before John wrote this letter, there was a major earthquake that destroyed the city. So this is a city that has seen better days. It was still doing okay. They probably thought they were better off than they really were. But it was a city that was complacent, known for its complacency, and it was a city that had seen better days. And sadly, the church in Sardis were going to see mirrors the history of the city. You see, it started quite well, but its glory days were long gone for the church. Oh, it still had a good reputation, but inward that reality wasn't true. It may have looked good on the outside, but inside it was dead, it was lifeless, and it was just going through the motions. They thought they were alive, but they were asleep at the wheel and they were headed in the wrong direction. And Jesus Christ won't have that. He won't have that in Sardis and he won't have that in our lives. So in this passage, we're going to see him do three very important things. First, we're going to see him lovingly 
and clearly and directly confront his church. We're going to see him call his church back to watchfulness and, and provide a cure for spiritual deadness. And then we're going to see him clearly lay out the consequences for choosing one way or the other. So let's look at what Jesus is saying to this church in Sardis. And, and let's also open our hearts to what he is saying today. This really matters to us. This really matters to us. These are Jesus' words to us. Jesus is here right now. You know, we look outside to the world and it's a mess. And we don't know what to do. But Jesus is here right now. He knows that the only hope for the world is his church, the local church. And he also knows that the church, if the church is a mess, we can't help this world that is a mess. So we need to ask ourselves these questions. So what we're hearing Jesus say to Sardis, let's open our hearts and humbly listen and hear what he has to say to us. He who has an ear, let him hear. So look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 with me. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains that is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice how he starts out. If you've been with us through this series, you know there's generally a commendation, there's some sort of encouragement. Sardis gets none of that. There's no commendation, there's no good job, there's no attaboy, there's no girl. there's nothing. Jesus starts by lovingly confronting them with what concerns him. And what concerns him? I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but, but you're dead. Jesus is saying, I see you. I understand better than you do. You think you're fine, but you're on life support. You're living in the past. You're holding on to a reputation that no longer holds true. You have deceived yourselves. You are not living an active church. You're walking dead. You're a zombie church. And you don't even know it. Can you imagine being the people in Sardis? This letter was passed around, and they had heard the words to the other churches. And they were resting on their reputation. They knew something good was coming, right? Something good. We might have a few things to work on. Imagine the words of hearing. You are dead. You are dead. They thought they were doing great, but they were on the verge of losing it all. Now again, it's easy to sit here and look at Sardis, and we can look with pity or maybe we can look with judgment. But again, this is a message for all churches, for all time. And as I said, Jesus is here today among his lampstands. Chapel Street, we are a lampstand in this lost and dying and dark world. 
Jesus is here. And we have to understand that every church is one generation from extinction. You think about these seven churches that are in the present-day land of Turkey, right? The present-day land of Turkey. Well, this past week, Pastor Bruce McAvoy sent me a video from uh, Pastor Ali and Pervin, some of our faithful uh, servants. Some of you know who they are. And he gave a, a, a sort of a state of the union of the church in, in Turkey uh, in this video. And he mentioned that in, this, in, a, in a country of 90 million people, there are 15,000 Christians, making it one of the least evangelized countries in the world. Now think about that for a second. This is, this is the same land, the same place that John has written this letter to, to these seven churches. Somewhere down the line, and I don't know when, but a generation in all those churches stopped being vigilant. They stopped pursuing their own personal spiritual vitality, their own walks with the Lord. And Jesus left. In Chapel Street Church, now is our time. We hold the baton. We need to run this race with all endurance, with all perseverance, with all vigilance, so we can pass on a legacy of following Jesus. And we can ensure that our lampstand stays here. You know, instead of worrying about the world around us, we need to constantly be assessing our own spiritual lives. We need to be like the psalmist in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, when he pleads with God, search me and know my heart. Test me and my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, it's easy to focus on the ever-shifting sands of our culture, but Jesus is saying we need to stay spiritually focused and vigilant in our lives. And it's not just Jesus. Consider what Moses says when he commanded the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 4.9. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen and they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and to your grandsons. This has always been a call for Jesus. He told his disciples in the garden, what did he tell them? to keep watch and pray that you may not enter in temptation. We just went through the book of 1 Peter, and Peter makes this clear too. In 1 Peter 5, when he tells the church to be sober-minded, to be watchful. The church in Sardis was basically dead. They thought they were fine, but there was no spiritual vitality. There was no vigilance to keep that vitality. The church was filled with people who were spiritually disconnected, from Jesus, and they are unable to discern their spiritual pulse. Now, I would imagine in a room this size and with this demographic that maybe some of you have been to the doctor lately. Has anybody been to the doctor in the last five, six months? Me too, yes. What's the first thing they do? They take your pulse. Taking your pulse is one of the chief ways that we see how healthy you are, how vibrant you are, how vital you are. And sometimes I think it's important for us to take our spiritual pulse. So I have six questions that I want to ask all of us, myself included, to ask ourselves to take our own spiritual, spiritual pulse. And let's do this humbly. And let's let the Lord and his power of his Holy Spirit work in our hearts to show us if we are, um, if we are alive or if there's things that we need to work on. Six questions to help you uh, discern your spiritual pulse. The first one, are you hiding in your reputation? Let me say that again. Are you hiding 
in your reputation? Are you, are you living in the past? Are you resting on your laurels? Question two. Are you complacent? Are you okay with the spiritual status quo in your own life? Are you okay with where you are at with Jesus? Are you okay where, where others are at with Jesus? Do you care about growing closer to him? Do you care about helping others come to know him? Are you complacent? Number three, and this is an interesting one, are you unopposed? Now, if you look at this letter to, to Sardis, these words to Sardis, you notice there's no pesky Nicolaitans. There's no Jewish synagogue that is opposing them. In fact, nobody's opposing them. And why is nobody opposing them? Because they are dead. They aren't doing anything that's worthy of being opposed. I think that's a great question for us to ask. Are we living our lives in such a way that we're becoming more like Jesus and we're confronting others with love and truth of who Jesus is? Are you unopposed? Another question is, are you forgetful? Do you have a hard time remembering what God has done for you? Do you forget to spend time with him, to thank him, to praise him? Are you taking him for granted? Do you remember what Jesus has done for you? It's something Jesus has called us to do from the beginning. That's why we take communion once a month, to remember what Jesus has done. Another question we need to ask us, the fifth question is, are you unrepentant? Are there areas in your life that you refuse to give over to God? Are there things that God wants you to walk away from, but you're choosing to stay with? Do you cherish love or honor or anything more than you cherish Jesus? Are you willing to let those things go, to turn from them and to turn towards Jesus? And then finally, are you self-reliant? Number six, are you self-reliant? Are you living a life on your own terms, in your own power? Are you seeking to do God's will through his power? Now notice how Jesus is described in verse one. You see how he's described? He who has the seven spirits of God. Well, this is simply a description of the fullness of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides and gives power to everyone who is in Christ. And when we were in Christ, we were part of his church. A spiritually dead person in a spiritually dead church will not look to the Holy Spirit to guide them and empower them. They will look to their own wisdom, to their own strength, and try and accomplish things out of their own abilities and their own power. Six questions. Are you hiding in your reputation? Are you complacent? Are you unopposed? Are you forgetful? Are you unrepentant? Are you self-reliant? Well, a life based on these things are all signs that we are in spiritual comatose. Yes, we may have the appearance of godliness, but we are denying its power in our lives, as Paul says. Now again, it's easy to point the finger at the lifeless church in Sardis, right? But it gets harder when we look at our own, our own selves. I'm not asking you to say anything publicly, but I'm asking you before the Lord right now to, to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Ask God to reveal this truth to you. Ask him to help you to do something about it. Talk to somebody. 
Now, this is heavy, I know, and regardless of where you're at, I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage you with Jesus himself and what he is doing in this text. Yes, Jesus shares his concerns, and he confronts clearly, and he confronts openly, but he does it lovingly, and he calls out his church in Sardis, and by extension, he's calling out us. But the beautiful thing in this passage is Jesus isn't simply calling his church out. He is also calling his church to something. And his call is to the cure for this spiritual deadness. You see, this is really important. Jesus isn't saying, you're dead, I'm done. Jesus is saying, you're dying, let me help. With Jesus, there is always hope. There is always hope. Look at verses 2 and 3. Look at what he calls his church to and listen to the cure for spiritual deadness. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what hour I will come against you. I hope you see the call. I hope you see the cure. Church of Sardis, wake up. Strengthen what remains. Remember what you have received. Keep it and repent. That's it. That's what the call, the call is. Well, what exactly does this mean? Let's look at these five calls one by one and unpack them a little bit. Consider what they mean to Sardis and what they may mean for us. The first call is to wake up. This can also be translated to watch out. Now, it's important here we understand it isn't simply just wake up, you're asleep. It's a call to um, constant, ongoing vigilance. You need to be aware, you need to be awake. This December, I will have been married to my wonderful wife for 27 years. And in those 27 years, there have been a number of occasions when it's been late at night, we're driving home for, from a trip or we're driving home from some event, and I am tired and I'm beginning to fall asleep at the wheel. And my wife will gently, sometimes not so gently, nudge me and say, wake up. Now it's important to realize when she is nudging me to wake up, she's, saying, she's not saying, oh, just wake up, you're falling asleep. She's saying, no, wake up and stay awake. We need to get home. And that's the call here. Wake up. Stay awake. It's a call to ongoing, intentional attention to be given to our own spiritual walk. It's for the long haul. Be vigilant until you make it home. But we also have a call to strengthen what remains. Well, Jesus here, this is, there's some hope here. Jesus is saying, hey, there's still something there. And we're going to see that there actually are still some people who are spiritually awake and aware in the church. There's something there. And what he's saying is take care to take care of that. Don't let what is there atrophy and don't let it wither away and don't let it disappear. Well, what is it and, and how do you do that? Well, it's pretty simple. He, he's saying do what you're supposed to do. Build up the few who are actually doing what they're supposed to do. And Jesus is saying to start us, you're on life support. Listen to me carefully. Follow me and I will revive you. Hold on. He also says again to remember, to remember. Now this is both an attitude and an action. It means to continue to recall the truth and the grace and the power that you've received and you're continually called to live it out. See, it doesn't mean that we just don't bring Jesus and his gospel to our mind, but it says that it means that we're supposed to put it into practice. That's what hearing means, to heed and to obey. Remember in this way what you have received. What have they and what have we received through the power of Jesus? The truth and the hope 
and the power to live life according to God's purposes, to live a life that pleases him. So remembering involves our thoughts, it involves our actions. And again, when I think about my marriage, I can remember that I love my wife, or I can remember that I love my wife by buying her flowers, by doing the dishes and telling her I love her. That's remembering that I love my wife. And by the way, I need to keep remembering that as, as long as I live. We need to remember in word and deed and thought. But we're also called to keep it. And again, this is going to have, have a lot to do with, with our thoughts and with our deeds. Well, what are we supposed to keep? Well, we received something, right? We received the, the good news of Jesus Christ, that I was, uh, I was a sinner and now I'm saved. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. That's the good news that I received. But I also received power when the Holy Spirit came upon me when I was saved, just like you. So I received the wonderful message of the gospel. I received the power of the gospel. And I'm called to keep that. That means to guard it, to hold it fast. Again, not just in thought, but in deed. Keeping entails not just perseverance of belief, but also means putting it into action. Keeping our faith means believing and obeying. You know, you don't keep fit by knowing how to exercise. You keep fit by exercising, right? So goes it with our faith. And the final call, the final cure for spiritual deadness that he offers here is to repent. Jesus is saying that if you are not doing what I am saying, or you keep doing what I'm telling you not to do, stop it. Turn around. Go the other way. You see, in every way, the church members in Sardis needed to change direction and get right with God and start doing what he expected of them. That's repentance. Now notice, too, this repentance is meant to be done quickly and completely. I like how one scholar puts it, you can't keep hitting the snooze button on the Holy Spirit. For the church in Sardis, their time was now. They needed to do a spiritual 180. They needed to do it now, and they needed to keep going the other way. Again, this is Jesus' call to Sardis. This is a cure for spiritual deadness in us all. So wake up. Strengthen what remains. Remember what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. This is a blueprint for spiritual vigilance. This is a recipe for spiritual vitality. It's a message of hope for Sardis, and it's a message of hope for you and for me. Again, with Jesus, there's always hope. What has he done in this passage? Again, he's expressed his concern and lovely confronted his church. We've felt that. He's called them to action and provided a cure for spiritual deadness. And now look how Jesus ends. He highlights the consequences of choosing to follow him and obey or choosing a path of spiritual deadness. Now we need to remember the, the church in, in uh, Sardis was not uh, fully dead. No, remember if you see in, in the text, Jesus has not yet come like a thief. There are still some that are there who have not soiled their garments. There is still life there, so they're not fully dead. With Jesus, there's always hope. So Jesus is saying, you're alive, but you have a choice to make. There's always hope, but with Jesus, there's always consequences for our choices. We have a choice in the matter, just like the church in Sardis. Look back at the text, starting in the second half of verse 3. Look at the choice that Sardis has before them. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, 
and you will not know about what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, the two choices are clear, right? If they fail to be watchful, if they continue to stay in the spiritual coma, the same thing will happen to their church that happened to the city when the Persians and the Greeks walked in and took them over. Like a thief, Jesus will come unexpectedly and suddenly, and he will bring judgment against the church for not doing what they were called to do. He will come against them, and he will leave them without their power and without their witness. On the other hand, there is always hope in Jesus. If they choose to heed his call and stay spiritually vigilant and pursue spiritual vitality, like the small few that we see, see here, the, the few that did not soil their garments, by becoming spiritually comatose like the rest of the church. You see, they were still alive. They were still walking with Jesus. They were still on guard. If the rest of the church would hear and heed just like they were, they, they were heeding, what would Jesus do? Well, they will be called worthy of Jesus. If they do that, if they turn and follow Jesus, they will walk with Jesus in purity, they will walk with him in victory and celebrate in celebration. They will share in his triumphal procession forever and ever. That's what the white garments signify. Purity and victory and celebration. The presence of Jesus. That's what they will have if they choose to walk with him. Choose to turn around. Choose to repent. Choose to watch out. Choose to remember. Choose to keep. And more than that, they will forever be secure in the love and the power of Jesus. Remember, he, he's not going to blot out their name from the book of life. Their names will always be there. They will be kept by Jesus himself. And he is unashamedly going to call them by name before the Father. He is going to make witness that these people belong here. They are mine. They are covered by my, my blood. They are part of our family. When Jesus says their name, they will be secure in the book of life. Now again, the choice can't be clearer, can it? On one side, you choose spiritual deadness, and Jesus says he will come against you and he will leave you. The other side, pursue empowered spiritual vitality. Practice spiritual vigilance. And Jesus will say, says he will always be with you. And the other thing is he will always be for you. Let me say that again. If you do these things, Jesus says he will always be with you and always before you. Again, this is the call to the church in Sardis. This is the call to the church today. Like all churches, our church is made up of individuals. So really, this isn't just a call to a church. This is a call to me. This is a call to you. And like Paul Revere in colonial times, Jesus is in our midst right now. And he's calling me and he's calling you to wake up now is our time. Chapel Street family, ask God to reveal your spiritual pulse. Do that work. Talk to somebody who knows you and loves you best. Encourage one another. Spur each other on. The world needs lampstands that are burning bright. 
and lampstands burn bright when our own hearts are close to Jesus, when we are abiding with him and walking with him and doing that with others. Is there anything that you need to strengthen? Is there anything in you that is, is weakened, that you've lost hope, you've lost sight of? Is there anything that you're forgetting that he wants you to remember to believe and obey? It's easy to forget the, the majesty and the awesomeness of this thing called the gospel. That I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And Jesus in his love and his grace and his mercy reached down and brought me to life. And now me who was an enemy of God can now be called his son. I need to remember that every day. We all need to remember that. Is there anything you're forgetting? Is there anything he wants you to keep holding on to, to keep believing and to keep doing? As our culture continues to go the way it goes, there's going to be a greater and greater cost to holding on to our faith and believing what God's word says. Where does God want you to keep holding on? To keep doing what is right. To not tire to not grow weary. And is there anything he wants you to stop doing? Is there anything in your life that he wants you to turn away from, to walk away from and start walking with him and towards him? Now, I'm not asking these questions to make you feel heavy and discouraged. That's not the point. I think this is what the text is asking of us. These are important questions for us to ask. But I just want to end with this. Remember with Jesus, there is always hope. You see, Jesus is warning Sardis, and he's warning us because he loves us, and he wants us to receive those good promises. Jesus is saying to the one who overcomes, that is the one who perseveres and remains faithful and trusting and following me, I will be with you and for you forever and ever. Chapel Street Church, may we Learn from Sardis. May we be awake to Jesus' call to remain vigilant, to remain vital in our walk with Jesus. May we rest in the promise that he will see us through and he will be with us and for us forever. May it be so in my life, may it be so in your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your spirit, which is in us because of what Jesus has done and empowers us to, to do what you have called us to do, will make it clear to us where we may not be walking uh, with you or doing what you've called us to do. And thank you that there is always hope with Jesus. Thank you that you do not say, you're dead, I'm done. Thank you that you say, you're dying, let me help. So Father, help us through the power of your Son, Jesus, through your Spirit, to do your work. And Father, may we pass the baton of faith on to the next generation. And may Chapel Street burn brightly for your name's sake, for your kingdom's sake. Um, Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.